Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cheese and pickle. Hello. This is Comfort Blanket, and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to someone who makes cool stuff that I like about the warm stuff that they like. No guilty pleasures, just the book or film or TV show or record that makes them feel safe and warm and looked after and that the world's a better place. This time I'm talking to the artist Zara Hussein. Zara's work combines traditional Islamic art with modern art uh, through patterns and colours and repetition. Um, and her stuff's very lovely. Uh, she's had it exhibited at the London South Bank and uh, she's been up for awards at the Victoria and Albert Museum. And one of her pieces is on a wall near my house and I walk past it a lot and think it's very beautiful. And Zara has chosen to come in and talk about the comfort she and her family get from the sitcom Frasier. I marched right into the morning room and locked the door until he cooled down. <laughs> Tell me you would have handled it differently, Fraser. Oh, I'm sorry, Niles. I didn't realize you'd stop talking. <laughs> you haven't heard a word I said. Oh, Niles, you're a psychiatrist. You know what it's like to listen to people prattling on endlessly about their mundane lives. Touché. And on that subject, I heard your show today. <laughs> and? You know what I think about pop psychiatry. Yes, I know what you think about everything. When was the last time you had an unexpressed thought? I'm having one now. <laughs> Zara, you have chosen Frasier. Yep, Frasier. I love Frasier. Would you rather be watching Frasier than anything else? I think when you've had a long day and you're tired and you want to relax before bed, you don't want to watch something with murders and suspense or mystery. You want to watch something that's comforting, easy, and you know vaguely what's going to happen. But when <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't seen, I haven't watched it since it originally came out, so I'm watching it all again and occasionally... You get an episode that you never watched originally. Like they've made like, a new one for you. It's like finding a fiver in your pocket, do you know, in your winter coat. And you're like, oh, yes, this is a really good episode. I never saw it first time. Great. And you kind of, it's safe and nothing really bad's going to happen. No one's going to die. There's no horrible upset. So it's something you can watch before going to bed. Yes, it won't, it won't set your brain jangling. No. I'm interested with people, people are choosing stuff for, for this podcast. And they tend to be choosing stuff that maybe isn't regarded as highly mm. as stuff that we get. The best of television is yeah. definitely The Wire. Go, actually, weirdly, they're good, but they're not yeah. a place you go back to because actually some of your enjoyment of those kind of shows is to do with surprise, shock, tension. It's very different the way that you watch a cookery programme. Yes. Or a programme which they repair carriage clocks. Yep. Or a soap opera or, best of all, a sitcom 
where there's a setup and every time you go back, it's the same. It's like The Simpsons. It resets every episode yeah. and it's okay. I mean, I'm not ashamed to admit this. Last week, I watched an episode of This Is Us and I was in t- literally ugly tears, crying. <laughs> and I couldn't, you know, and I couldn't for three days. I mean, it was really powerful television. Yeah. I'm not criticising it, but it was a tough yes. watch and it was really hard. And I wish I'd watched an episode of Frasier afterwards <laughs> to kind of forget it. about it. But, but it's you, the mint for after drama to clean yes. your clean your palate. Or, yeah. or you watch Better Call Saul, and you're on. You, your adrenaline's yeah. pumping. You're grabbing the sofa, and you're like, "Oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh, she's going to die!" And and you know, sometimes life's too much, and life's too yeah. difficult. And I've had a hard day, and I just want to watch something that's and, and with Frasier. Every episode, as I'm watching it again, 20 years older than I watched yeah. it the first time, there's a couple of lines that literally yeah. make you laugh out loud. And that's so therapeutic, just that yeah. physical laughter. I forgot, actually, watching it again, what's really strange, revisiting sitcoms, you forget which ones have got laugh tracks and which ones haven't. It has got a laugh track. But you don't notice it. That's it. It's really odd. I couldn't remember whether this is pre or post laugh track. And it has got the classic Cheers. It's filmed before a live studio audience. Yeah. Classic studio laugh laugh track it's filmed on a, on a studio set it's properly old-fashioned sitcom and there is i mean i know it's supposed to be heresy there's something really nice yeah. in hearing a load of other people laugh yeah and i think it yeah. really helps and it if you're working comedy you know it changes the performance of the, the yeah. actors um here's a secret <clears throat> by the way it doesn't make the actors faster or slower it makes the actors think the jokes are funny yeah. So they deliver them with confidence. But the, 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 and I, I think with Frasier, sometimes the jokes come really fast and you're thinking about a joke from three lines ago. <laughs> you're just catching up, but they just come at you, you come at you. It's got a very high hit rate for one-liners. Yes. How can we possibly use sex to get what we want? Sex is what we want! <laughs> it came out of the, 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 the guys who started... It's a spin-off from Cheers, mm. and Cheers was the definitive warm ensemble sitcom with the theme music that said a place where everybody knows your name you went to cheers because yeah. it was a welcome it was a warm bar set sitcom yeah. where it had lots of different classes probably skewed slightly more blue collar i mean yeah. certainly more blue collar than frasier but it was a very welcoming space Good afternoon everybody yeah! and a spin-off from it into this show that probably an unlikely character to spin off from it the brittle psychiatrist <laughs> character from cheers you'd think you might do the postman or or, or norm yeah. the accountant or something but they did frasier and it's got a brittleness to it and a pomposity to it. But oddly, it's equally warm. Yeah. We don't actually choose love. It chooses us. And once it has, we are powerless to do anything about it. I think the warmth comes from the fact it's got the same gag rate yes. as a pub sitcom. It's not something where you're meant to stroke your chin. The characters are chin-strokey, but you're meant to go gag, 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 gag. And it's all character-based. It's a smaller ensemble than Cheers. It's only five, six people. Yeah. Uh, Cheers was legendarily a massive precinct mm. full of full of characters that jokes could bounce off. But once you get to know those guys, and you get yeah. to know them really quickly, it's just joke after joke after joke. I'm a humane man, but right now I could kick a kitten through an electric fan. I think it's got different layers of humour. So... There's your ongoing jokes, which one of is Maris, Niles' <laughs> wife, who I think you get away with the jokes about her because you never see her. Yes. So she's cold, she's icy, she's incredibly thin. You have an imagined view of who Maris is, but you never see her. If you choose, you never have to see Maris again. Oh, please. Half the time I couldn't see her when she was standing right in front of me. <laughs> so she can be the butt of jokes. Something like the freezer's broken and he's like, don't worry, Maris is there. You know, the temperature will be... It's hard to believe that's the same frail woman who once sprained her wrist from having too much dip on a cracker. 
time angry, always ill. One of her relatives says, I've not seen her standing up in years. I don't know how tall she is, she's always in bed. <laughs> I thought you liked my mouse. I do. I, I like her from a distance. You know, the way you like the sun. Maris is like the sun, except without the warmth. And also how unhappy he is with her, watching it again from the beginning. Because you know, if you've seen it, you know ultimately who he ends up with. But with Maris, you just think this is a great, great idea that you have this invisible person. So it doesn't feel sexist. It doesn't feel against. It's just an invisible character you've imagined in your head that you hate. Interesting. Niles doesn't hate her. No. And I think that would be a very, very different thing if there was this awful woman he was rude about all the time. Yeah. He always says, she's the love of my life. Yes. So you go, oh, great. So when he starts to get a crush on Daphne, which he does within seconds Second. of meeting Daphne at the beginning yeah. of the, the series, you're aware something's at stake. You feel for that character and you yeah. think, well, he loves this strange, brittle woman who in one way... I mean, maybe there's a theme here. One way represents everything that Niles and Fraser aspire to, this uh, aristocratic... Elegance. Elegant, uh, sort of strange, rarefied snob woman. And he also has an enormous attraction to a very grounded... Salt of the earth. ...woman there, which is basically their family, because their family has come from one class and is ascending to another class. And it's that is a, a joke about an unseen, monstrous woman. But also within it, it's full of love, heart and reality. You really love her, don't you? You know, I do. Love is a funny thing, isn't it? Sometimes it's exciting and passionate, and sometimes it's something else. Something comfortable and familiar. That newly exfoliated little face staring up at you from across the breakfast table. <laughs> Sharing a laugh together when you see someone wearing white after Labor Day. And she's upper class. You can see that from the house they live in. Yes. He's married into wealth. He's married into another strata of society. And you feel like he's trying to keep up. What, what are you talking about? If her family money didn't come from timber, where did it come from? <laughs> Urinal cakes? <laughs> I don't believe this. All these years, the doyen of Seattle's elite, looking down her nose at everyone in sight, she owes it all to this. She's managed to have her urinal cake and eat it too. And, you know, my youngest son is like, when are we going to see Maris? I said, you never see Maris. Oh, I don't want to see Maris. You know, they, were originally going to, they were originally going to cast Maris because they'd done the joke in Cheers with Norm's wife, yeah. Vera, you never see. So it's a, a Mrs. Yeah. Rumpole, uh, she who must be obeyed joke. And they said, we've done that joke. And then as they started to find it funnier and funnier to be mean to her, they went... Well, we can't bring anyone no. in because it ruins the joke because they no. won't be mean to a real yeah. person. Yeah. And it says something about the the warmth and affection at the heart of a very clever, yeah. waspish sitcom that they went, we can't bring a real person no. in and be the victim of all yeah. the rude jokes we've done. You know, everybody has their own vision of what Maris looks like. And frankly, with some of the things that have been written about her in scripts, I don't know if we could ever find anybody that would match all those things. I let my kids watch as long as I've screened them, some episodes. How old and are your kids? So this, is, this is, I would think of Frasier, I think most people would think of Frasier as a treat for the quite clever adults amongst us, like going to the theatre to go and see a farce. And I love how many people watch it with their kids and their kids yeah. love it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't let them watch all the episodes. You have to be careful. Oh, right. And sometimes you'll get questions like, Mummy, what, what does this mean? But, I, if I've seen the episode and I know it's okay. Mummy, what's a hooker? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> and a female criminal, darling, you know. But, <laughs> They love, they love Eddie. Good boy, Eddie. Just get down. Good, 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 good. Eddie, get down. Get, get down! <laughs> Dad, 
death! I can't read my paper, Eddie's staring at me. It's got the physical comedies, which kids can get and watch and think, yeah, I get that, that's okay. Eddie's unlike any dog I've ever known in my life, in that I don't even consider him a dog, I consider him an actor. He's the only real scene stealer, I think, in our cast. The rest of us sort of give the focus to each other, but Eddie couldn't care less. He'll just grab the focus whenever he can. And I bet Eddie is a lot of people's favourite character because he's oh, yeah. he's an amazing performing dog. You can tell that by how much Kelsey Grammer resents how much people like Eddie. <laughs> he's just a dog. And you yeah. want to go, yeah, I know you're really good at your job, but the dog's great. The dog steals <laughs> the scene sometimes. Tell me a little bit about the dog. It's like the big star now, the dog. The dog is on the cover of magazine. Yes. Two covers of two TV covers. Guide. Dog two separate that's where you TV go. Guides there. Here's some entertainment <laughs> magazine. There's the dog. Yeah. Life magazine now, here is the, the dog, dog right there, yeah. He's, a, he's good at his job. Do you get along well with the animal? It's not that you really get along with him. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like you're working together. Uh, <laughs> some of the jokes are quite highbrow. You have to really think to understand them. But it's that mixture of physical comedy and then recurring, these recurring jokes. Um, that's a very welcoming thing. If a joke is recurring, yeah. it means that the only information you need to get the joke is contained within the sitcom. Yeah. As in for a kid... There'll be jokes about things like, I don't know, operas and plays and With, sports stuff. On sherry and they types of wine. They, they have no idea those, about Because that's those jokes are about things that are external to the world. Yeah. But a joke about Maris is internal to the world. In the same way as a joke about Mo in The Simpsons is yeah. internal to the world. And that means that once a, a child's watched two episodes, it's as accessible as watching Postman Pat. You know yeah. who all the characters well, are. Well, when, when Eddie, you know, there's an episode where Niles isn't sure whether he wants a baby and he carries around a sack of flour to try and understand what it's like to have a baby. And then Eddie mauls the flour on the sofa. And it's such, again, visual, <laughs> physical comedy. It's really funny. And you don't need any lines. You just watch it. You think, that's really funny. You know. Well, then, then you've got also two great clowns, because the other great clown in Fraser is, is David Hyde Pierce, who plays Niles, yeah. who the bird-like nature of the way he moves... As soon as you give him slapstick, yeah. it becomes doubly funny because he's got a long way to fall. He's got the there's something very funny about giving someone very dignified slapstick. It's what's funny about in Laurel and Hardy, the fact that Oliver Hardy is a southern gentleman, very delicate movements. Uh, excuse me, please, my ear is full of milk. So when he falls into a hole, it's, it's twice as funny. Yeah. David Hyde Pierce, the f in the first episode, before he sits down in mm. Cafe Nervosa, carefully cleans with a handkerchief the chair and you go oh he's germphobic and prissy and then he hands the handkerchief to Fraser, who goes no and just sits down yeah and you go now i know who you both are one of you is prissy yeah. and one of you is slightly less prissy look who i'm talking to psychiatry's answer to the drive-through window but Fraser is also quite annoying and there's a whole episode <laughs> of this poor barista he spends all episode trying to perfect his coffee zimbabwe and kenya oh, excuse me did i say decaf no, you didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, if I drink the regular stuff, it'll keep me tossing and turning all through my brother's conversation. But you know people like that, right? Yeah. We all know there are people. And it doesn't make you dislike them. You just think it's that kind of thing where you have people in your family that are annoying or your friends that you're annoying, but you love them for it. Yes. And you think that's their quirk. Zimbabwe, decaf, non-fat milk, no cinnamon in sight. Now, are you happy? You know, in the greater scheme of things... Yes, I'd say I am. There's a lot of emphasis when trying to set sitcoms up and trying to sell sitcoms and pitch them. And they go, oh, there's a feeling that characters need to be likeable. And oddly, that's not how families work. Not everyone in your family is likeable, but you know them. Yeah. What they have to be is familiar, recognisable, and you have to understand the rules with them, and then you will put up with them. And I think that's what's going on with this. You're, you picked a character who, when he was introduced into Cheers, was meant to be, you had Sam and Diana, your big couple in Cheers, who you want to get together. 
Mm. And Fraser Crane comes in. It's really weird to watch the episode where Fraser Crane arrives in Cheers because mm. he's in the background of the bar, sitting, waiting. The reveal is that uh, Diane is with a new guy, the psychiatrist from yep. the, the, the place she went to when she had a nervous breakdown because of Sam, and he's watching from mm. a distance. It's really weird because you're watching the whole episode going, why is Kelsey, why is Fraser in the background? <laughs> and they obviously haven't introduced him, but he's meant to turn up and be really fucking annoying yeah. because he's meant to be <clears throat> in the way of the lovebirds you're, you're watching <clears throat> get together. Tell him to drop by, Al. Try to fit him in between dames. Why don't you say hello to him right now? Hello, Sam. <laughs> I'm Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm sorry I startled you. This is weird. So they took a character who, in Cheers, was loved, but also annoying and quirky, and said, make yeah. him the centre of something. And they set that up by then giving him a worse brother. And the worse brother, who's more Fraser, he's super Fraser. Weirdly, Niles is kind of like Fraser was in Cheers. Yeah. And they've sort of toned Fraser down, down a bit. He's less poncy because he's now not surrounded by postmen and... and I think Fraser's because of his divorce. He's more balanced. He's more... Yeah. He's not as kind of effect as Niles, but Niles is a great foil for Fraser. Yes. You, you, know, you, you understand work. one through the other one. Well, who knows why anybody does anything? Remind me again what you do for a living. <laughs> that was a, a strange bit of casting because when they first pitched the series... They didn't have a brother. Mm. And then one of the casting people saw David Hyde Pierce in something and said, oh, my God. I need to get him in. Yeah, because he looks like him. And they bring him in and suddenly the dynamic completely changes. And I think it also allows you to understand who Fraser is via his relationship with his brother. Yeah. I hope that's not sibling rivalry rearing its vicious little green snout. <laughs> Absolutely not. I bet you two had wicked little hair-pulling fights when you were tots. The pretensions of Niles sit Frasier more firmly in the show. And like you said, you're putting up with how ridiculous he is with his fussiness mm. about coffee. Mm. But oddly, Frasier's marginally 5% less prettiness. You suddenly go, he's, he's a normal one. one. <laughs> he's the one I could have a coffee with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, though I would have a coffee with Niles and find it delightful how pretty yeah. he is. Stanley Barrister is a 60-year-old man who wears a toupee that looks like something he pulled out of a shower drain. <laughs> you are 41 and obviously not wearing a toupee. Thank you, Niles. But the thing is, I mean, I'm a twin. One oh, of the right. things I like is that, in a way, the writers haven't given all the best lines to Frasier or all Not the best lines all. to... It's a, it's a show with heart and there will be a genuine problem. There'll be something, you know, Niles doesn't know whether he wants to have a baby or not. Frasier's upset because his son can't come over for Christmas or Thanksgiving and he's upset. And you see them be brother to brother and it's yeah. quite lovely. Frasier, do you remember the time the Creasel brothers tied me to their Great Dane and lobbed meatballs down their gravel driveway? <laughs> I've told you, Niles, it would have helped you, but the sister was holding me down. Sometimes he'll sit down and he'll cross his arm and he'll say, as a psychiatrist, Frasier, I, yeah. I think you should... And you know, and it's that they're warm... helping each other. Yeah. Why do you think you reacted that way? Oh, spare me the psychiatrist bit, Niles. That includes putting down the pad. In the drawer, Niles. <laughs> and it's quite... And it's true. It's a really true sibling relationship because they're super competitive. They're competitive for their dad's love. They're competitive... I mean, when they try and write a book together or they try and run a restaurant together or they do a radio play together, they do all these things together and it always ends up in disaster because they're so competitive and they can't work with each other. My first question to you is this. Are you still in love with her? No! Not in the least. It's a ridiculous suggestion. Seeing as how I have nowhere to write the phrase classic denial, I'll move on. But at times, because Fraser's removed from Niles and Niles is removed from Fraser, you see that family dynamic of, hang on, you're not seeing this properly. This is my advice for you, brother. Yeah. And that's, that's really lovely to watch because you don't see that accurately portrayed in many TV 
comedies. Niles, I love you. And I love Daphne. I just hope the two of you can work this thing out together. No, wait, 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 don't go, don't go. Help me understand, why is everyone acting like I've done something wrong? The only thing I'm guilty of is loving Daphne, and that's all I've ever done. Yes, yes, and how did you love her? From afar. You are never in love with her, you are in love at her. The temptation when you're writing is to choose one or the other. They're either rivals, and that's mm. easy to understand, or they're mm. best friends and they've got each other's backs. Mm. But good writing will have both in it because mm. that's very authentic and very re realistic. So when you see, when when Fraser gets a bad review from an abusive critic, mm. it's Niles who brings the review in his pocket. I knew when I chose a career in the public eye that I'd be open to certain criticism. It's the price I paid for my celebrity. But thank you, Niles, for bringing me the paper. And thank you for highlighting it in yellow. <laughs> And yet, you're right, they sit down, they give each other advice. There's a warmth there. There's a nice note that uh, when they did the joke for Fraser's a radio uh, shrink, so he's giving advice out. So they have a thing where people phone in. Yeah. And Kelsey Grammer said, the advice has to be real. Yeah. So when they phone in, don't do it. It's an easy gag if yeah. it was, uh, my brother thinks he's a chicken. Waka, waka, waka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't do real. that. I think I'm losing my mind, Dr. Crane. People are talking to me through my radio. Why do you think that? Here it is again. <laughs> He's a real psychiatrist, yeah. and they are and that's really believable to each in other. that world. Yeah, yeah, and so there are gags in there, but they're never gags at the expense of the people who are in need. And the the help that Fraser is giving to his callers that's real advice. Yeah, and the advice he gives to his brother is real advice. Yeah, but they are trying to help each other. Yeah, and also, I mean, I think what's interesting is if you read it on paper, the way that Martin, the father, comes in over above the both of them with his common sense, yeah. real life sensibility, and you know, in in a crisis, he's the one that will give the absolutely solid, practical, physical advice of what they need to do, or he'll knock their heads together. And there's yeah. an early episode when they they're squabbling over which restaurant to go to, and a booking hasn't worked, so the dad takes them to a bar or a restaurant which they don't really want to go is to. Is it called the Timber Mill or something? Yeah, it's quite common. And they cut their ties off. <laughs> it is a beautiful sitcom It's a setup. fantastic episode and it's funny. But at the very end, Martin gives advice to them, which is the same advice that I would give to my children. Don't be a jerk to the waitress and you better yeah. bloody apologise. Because that's true for everybody in, in any walk of life. Don't be a jerk. Don't be rude to the people who work in this place who are trying to serve you. Dad, wait. No, I'm going over to Duke's for a night, Dad. Well, at least let us take you there. I'll take a cab. I've had enough of you two for one night. Leave the waitress a good tip. She deserves it. That beat is here. Don't be rude to the waitress. Don't be a snob. And Don't be a jerk. There's nothing. There's no laugh to No track. extra joke. They leave it. And it goes to the title. They, they sit there and go, we should finish this meal. And it's a meal they don't want. It's heavy yep. policeman's food yep. with yep. loads and loads of a hot sauce on it. Yep. They're being snobs about it. And they look at each other and go, he's right. Fraser, as a tribute to Dad, I think we should sit here until we have cleaned our plates. Well, I'm game if you are. Yeah. And they quietly try and finish their meal, yeah. go to the titles, and all you see is they're trying to clear the restaurant up around them, the, ta the, the chairs yeah. on, the t on the tables, the, the wait staff are bored in the corner, and they're still ploughing through this food. <laughs> that's, that's your joke, but it's a very, very uh, on-the-back-heel joke. It's not a joke that you don't laugh. You go, oh, I'm still thinking about what Martin It's a morality thing, and I think, I mean, it's not, it's not heavy-handed, it's not slapping you over the face, it's just... Be decent. Be decent, be be kind, be, don't be... Just because you're a celebrity, Fraser, it doesn't mean you can talk to people like that. And I thought it was very powerful when he said, if your mother was alive. Yes. Because that really brings in the pathos, it brings in that 
You know, if your mother was alive, she wouldn't have let you behave like this. She may have had fancy taste, but she had too much class to ever make me or anybody else feel second rate. She saw the way you two behaved tonight, she'd be ashamed. I know I am. And you learn later on the mother is a psychiatrist. And it's this kind of odd, if you can't analyse it too much, but a psychiatrist married to a policeman and a policeman who's very working class has these very effete boys. But it works in that world and you do believe it. It's very believable. And I think that is because you get these moments where... Martin does turn around and slap them down occasionally and say, yeah. come on, you're behaving really badly. What he's saying is that you've got airs and graces. You've come up. You, yeah. I've, I've started here. I've, yeah. got, I've got an earthy common sense and a mm. working man's values. And you think you're above this mm. by being a celebrity, by be having, by having married into money, by knowing about wine and opera yep. and things. And he wants to say, it doesn't matter mm. about all that stuff. Just be decent. Yeah. I brought you up to be decent. But you're right. It's quite hard to understand. It's never quite said out loud. I think this is why Frasier is fascinating as a sitcom about class mm. is that we don't see how they got here. Mm. At the beginning, the setup, no. doesn't, the setup doesn't say, once upon a time, a cop married a psychiatrist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you go, well, hang on. If this was a sitcom about really, really posh people. His I'd- parents would be really, really posh. Yeah, and I'd watch it differently. Yeah. But because his dad, I don't see his mum. The unsaid thing is, again, Maris is missing and his yep. mum is missing. This has got good female characters, this sitcom, but there are two who are missing. Yeah. The missing one is the mum. And you go, so who is this mum? And the answer is, well, she must have been well-educated, believed her children deserved better. Gave brought, them piano lessons. Done all that stuff yeah. to bring them up a class. Yep. From whether Maybe yeah. she came from a higher class or maybe yeah. she was self-made. But there's this unseen woman who's dragged them up and the dad says but she wasn't stuck up. You know, I used to think you two took after your mother, liking the ballet and all that. But your mother liked a good ball game too. She even had a hot dog once in a while. Yeah. Because she was the woman I loved. So they have been brought up by ordinary people. Yeah. And they are, the exciting thing about this as a class sitcom, they are newcomers to this class. Yeah. So they can be dragged down. If anyone finds out, they're in trouble. They're nouveau riche. (laughs) Yeah. And a sitcom about the nouveau riche is way more interesting, interesting than a sitcom about the rich. Well, as a daughter of immigrants, it's really interesting to me because sometimes I watch it and I totally relate to Fraser and Niles. And sometimes I watch it and I totally relate to Martin. And I think it's anybody that's gone up a class. You know, my dad worked in a factory, he worked in a mill, but he had ambitions for his kids to go up. And, you know, but you realise as you get older, you know, you feel like you've gone to school and you've gone to university, you've got these degrees and you know so much more than your parents, but you realise that they had something as well which you don't you don't really understand and you take for granted. I remember when I was 13 or 14, we were doing Romeo and Juliet at school and yeah. we watched a play and it was exciting. And I came home and I said, Mum, we watched this... Re-, you know, a theatre company came to the school, we watched this play, it was Romeo and Juliet, it was so exciting, I really loved it. And she says, tell me about it. I told her the plot of Romeo and Juliet. And she turned around and looked at me and she said, well, that's Layla Majnu. And I was like, <laughs> what's that? And she goes, it's the same story. And then I, I looked it up and I researched it. And I found that William Shakespeare got the, the genesis of Romeo and Juliet from the original, which was Layla Majnu, which was a Middle Eastern story about two lovers wow. star-crossed. That been, you know, and so in a way, it's that don't assume your parents... Are ignorant. Ignorant. They don't know because they're not of your generation or you've had this education and it's something that you face i think if you feel like you've moved a class yeah. it's something you're facing all the time you're kind of butting up against 
that you think your parents don't know stuff. And then you realise, as I get older, now I have my own children, actually my parents knew a lot and they had a lot of worldly knowledge and they knew practical stuff. And in a way, university spoils you for that. You you don't know how to you know do certain things that your parents... My dad could fix a kettle. He was very <laughs> practical. And sometimes having, you know, knowing all about all the stuff that I learned on my degree, how useful is that? But yeah. the stuff that my mum and dad knew was really useful in the light, in the world. So when you're watching Frasier, it reflects that back at you, you know. It's about the precariousness of a newly acquired class. Mm. Delivery from Martin Crane. Oh, in here. Coming through. Excuse me, excuse me. Wait a minute. Where do you want it? Where's the TV? It's, it's in that credenza. Point it at that thing. Oh, look, Dad, as dear as I'm sure that this piece is to you, I, I just don't think it goes with anything here. I know, it's eclectic. <laughs> the way it fits into Cheers is really interesting because when Fraser's in the bar in Cheers, he affects working-class attitudes. He's a sports fan mm. in Cheers, which he isn't in Frasier. <laughs> he's into science fiction movies in Cheers, which he isn't in Frasier. He's down with the boys. Mm. Uh, and some of that is because it's a different show. It's fine. Mm. But also, I quite like the idea that, oh, he is able to move down a class if he needs to, if yeah. he's in a bar. Well, I'll have a tankard of your finest lager. Well, I understand the local Boston Red Sox baseball franchise has a Herculean task of it to qualify for the postseason tournament. Yeah, they really stink this year. Stink? Hmm. Interesting theory. But he's also able to move upper class, and he's trying to drag himself upper class. Niles has, has got the aristocratic <clears throat> woman who's pulled him up into the American super class, but they are aware that if anyone comes to the house and sees the dark secret, <laughs> the mad woman in the attic is yeah. that chair and, and that the dad, man, yeah. who is decent, yeah. real, Honest. Brilliant, witty. Um, the other thing about Fraser that, that needs to be said, no one's stupid. Yeah. There's no idiots in no. it. Um, that was one of their rules. They said, no, uh, all smart people, all smart lines. Yeah. Everyone is differently smart, but they're yeah. all smart. Even, even Daphne's got a brilliant line that somebody will come up to her and said, oh. Daphne is a very pretty name. Do uh, people call you Daffy for short? Not twice. <laughs> she gives back as good as she gets. Everyone. And she is as smart as they are in her own way. Oh, put a sock in it. You got anything to say, old man? Good! Roz, Daphne, everyone's got a sharp line. Yeah. No one is the dumb one. But I thought it was just about Frasier doing good work. Please, it's all about ratings. The station had its way. Every call would end in an autoerotic suicide. And that's because it's saying that Frasier and Niles's cultured nature isn't them being cleverer. No. It's them being posher. Even worse, it's not even them being posher. It's them pretending to be posher. It, because they're aspiring to be seen as something they kind of are and kind of not, they are then vulnerable. Niles, do you think I'm elitist? <laughs> of course I do. You, you needn't worry about that. If they were invulnerable, if they were huh. aristocratic, they'd have nowhere to fall. This is entirely a comedy about people who are trying to hide where they came from. Yeah. And that's why I wonder whether you watch it differently, yeah. depending on which, which one of them you feel you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If, if you're coming from the dad's perspective, it's wholly different to Fraser's perspective. And I, I'm the person that if I buy a washing machine, I'll read the manual. And my dad <laughs> will just plug it in and switch it on. You know, and there's a difference. There is. There's a yeah. difference. You know, and sometimes you I trust to, the books. Yeah, but I'm over it. Probably overeducated or rely too much on that. That when you see your parents and you interact with your parents, it, it's a reminder in a soft and subtle way. And I think the show has got that heart where it does it in a in a way that's 
it's not unkind to any of the characters. No, it's not, not unkind to Martin. You can see where they're all where they're all at. And I love the episode where I think it's episode four or five in the first season where they go to rescue Daphne from a kind of unsalubrious, really dodgy pool bar, and they realise she's actually really good at pool and she doesn't need them. <laughs> and in the end, she ends up rescuing them because she's street smart. Yeah, and they've all got different skills. They yeah. all come from different places. What it's playing with because it has a setup where everyone comes from a very, very slightly nuancedly different class, even though it's all set in a swept-up bit of <clears throat> Seattle. They're all mixed in there. And it's not about someone from one background mixing with someone from another background. It's all these people are from the same background. Yeah. Fraser and Niles have just are just climbing out of mm. it. But they're all they've all got something in common. They they can all survive in a you the, the easier joke would have been that Niles can't survive in that mm. environment, but he's embarrassed mm. that he sort of can. Because he knows his dad. What? He's all right. I'm as high as the Himalayas. <laughs> If I were a city in Germany, I'd be Heidelberg. You realize that this is illegal. Did you actually drive yourself here? I'm a little too toasted for that, Fraser. <laughs> no, the minute I knew I was getting baked tonight, I called a cab. And I printed my name and address on a card in my pocket in case I'm still too crispy to speak to the cab driver taking me home. <laughs> I judge by all this rich terminology that you've done some research. Yes, I know all the symptoms I can expect to experience. I'm especially looking forward to something called the munchies stage. <laughs> it's where one enjoys bizarre food combinations. I'm thinking of pairing this Chilean sea bass with an aggressive Zinfandel. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I think that Frasier on one level appears to be about a very specific class and it's everything about it says it. So the moment you see the the, the flat, mm. the astonishing apartment with all that it was amazingly chosen The Coco item. Chanel sofa. Yeah, it cost I think <laughs> half a million to Did fill it, it with amazing grand stuff. Piano. Yeah, the real stuff. But they're very careful to make sure he's at an ordinary radio station with yep. Ross, who's from Texas, and yep. Bulldog, who's rough. So they're surround- And then you put Martin in the middle of it and it says it's not just about one class, it's about several classes and then you realise the secret message is it's about moving class, yeah. changing class, and clinging with white knuckles to <laughs> anything you've achieved to rise you up the ladder yes. of the classes, which is the American journey, yes. the American dream. America is a migrant country of yes. people who arrived with nothing and went up. Up, oh, yeah. So that's the story it's telling. It's not doing a chamber piece no. for Fraser and Niles to go and watch at the theatre. It's a universal sitcom, yeah. massively popular. 
<laughs> I think it's because anyone watching it feels in their gut that's what it's about, that it stops it being prissy. Well, that's an interesting question, Niles, and I'll tell you something, I don't care. I'm in love and I don't care. I think that there's a universality and often those messages come from Martin, sometimes they come from Fraser. No matter what class you are from, we're all looking for the same thing, and that is love and to be loved. And in one of the early episodes, I think Frasier makes a really lovely speech about what he wants from life, and it sets up the whole season, the whole series, that you want to be loved, and you want to be loved for who you are. Yeah. And he said something like, you need someone to really adore you. Yes, but that's no reason to settle for someone who isn't madly in love with you. <laughs> well, right now, I'm not sure there are any men out there who are actually capable of falling madly in love. Well, of course there are. You know, on the most basic level, men and women are the same. We both need to be loved and to love someone. We both want to feel that we matter to someone and that someone matters to us. And making a commitment to a, another human being is the ultimate expression of our humanity. Life's going to throw curveballs at you. You're going to go through difficult times and you want someone by your side who adores you because they'll be with you through those difficult times. You don't want somebody that just loves you for these superficial things. And right. he says it himself. And then through the whole, you know, series, you, know, you see <laughs> him go through, <laughs> he forgets it because he knows the truth. And the truth is, that's what the message of the, the whole thing is, to find someone that you love and that loves you back and who adores you because life is difficult and life's going to throw things at you and you want that consistency of someone by your side that's there for you no matter what. And that doesn't matter what class you're from, whether you're a policeman, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a psychiatrist, everybody wants that. And I think how it plays then to him finding love yeah. and finding someone who fulfills that for him is quite interesting. And it, it, it's a riff on love, isn't it? And relationships yeah. and finding that person for yourself that's, helps you through life and, and all that other stuff. I think the heart of the show is love, really. And, and no matter where you are, whatever pegging you are in the class system, is that what we're all looking for? Is that what we're all looking for? I assume so. <laughs> yeah, they, they all want the same thing. It's interesting that you think about this as a sitcom setup, and it's got family in it, it's got the, but it's, what it's not got is couples. No. And it's all about dating and, and, and things. Finding what, someone. I think when they said the setup, they, they were trying to work out what the setup was. And Kelsey Grammer said, I don't want uh, wives, children, and dogs. Right. And he failed at the dogs, <laughs> uh, which obviously he resented for the rest of the time. And Frederick, is, his, his son, is dealt with. But he's not there. Uh, yeah, he's uh, distant. But no one's got a wife. Maris is unseen, which is a good joke, but it also means that Niles is on his own. Yes. And you get the feeling, well, one thing Maris isn't giving is love. No. So basically, Niles lacks love and is therefore drawn magnetically towards towards Daphne. Martin has lost his wife, he refers to that, has only got the love of Eddie. It's just, just the dog is just there. The family love each other. Martin loves the boys and the boys love each other in their own, own way. And, and there's, a lot, there's love and devotion and uh, connections. When you, see, when you see the five main characters, which is Roz... Martin, Niles, Fraser, Daphne, and then the dog in the flat together mm. occasionally as the series goes on. They're all together. You go, oh, they love each other. They're a sitcom family. Yeah. But none of them has a functional partner. No. So the, the thing that's missing on screen all the time is they've got all this stuff. Yes. Look at all the stuff they've got, but they haven't got love. Yeah. You know, every item here was carefully selected. This lamp by Corbeau, the chair by Eames, and this couch is an exact replica of the one Coco Chanel had in her Paris atelier. No matter who you are, no matter what class you are, no matter where you come from, no matter where you're going, the actual quest is to not go there alone. Yes. Yes. I mean, what I really love in the early seasons is the kind of Niles-Daphne thing that he... And it's actually kind of a fantasy, isn't it? Well, I... I 
Do you, he falls in love with Daphne at first sight. He's with Maris, which complicates it. It's so quick. It is very funny. And he just puts her on this pedestal. She's absolutely <laughs> got no idea that he's just, you know, following her around. It's and, a perfect farce. Yeah, that, that's the French farce comedy aspect the, of the whole thing. One person must know something the other person doesn't yeah. know and the audience must be let in on it and that sets up a thing. You have dramatic irony and you as an audience enjoy watching it. We didn't have any grand plans about... This uh, unrequited love. love that, that would happen. It was just that when Niles has to meet Daphne for the first time, we thought, well, what's his... You're always looking for what someone's what's attitude is going to be. And we went, oh, what if he just... Has a crush. Has a crush on her. That's an example where we went, wow, this is great. Let's yeah. follow this. This is gold. The way David Hyde Pierce moves, it's like yeah. a magnet. He's trying to get yeah, as yeah. close as possible yeah. to her. Yeah. It's played brilliantly. But it's, it's a really simple depiction of what they're all doing, which is yeah. attempting to find or replace or, or look for love and acceptance. Yeah. So they're looking for love, and it is a sitcom about relationships. Sitcom about dating, a lot mm. of it, because Fraser's looking for someone. The love of his life. Yeah, that's what's missing. Uh, he's looking for that. So it's a dating show. So it's an adult show. It's kind yes. of gross. So you're going to watch it, and you're going to watch adult. They're going to be having dinner parties and drinking yeah. wine and, and, and getting going on done dates. up. Yeah, it's that. It feels so different to the 20-something dating that's in Friends. I watched Friends again recently, and... I think Fraser at the heart is someone who's looking for love. I think with friends, there was a lot of, I think with Joey, uh, just having as many women as he possibly could and that yeah. being a good thing. Whereas now when we watch that, you think, ooh, it's a bit, it's a bit some of Joey's behaviour, which is laughed at, is borderline, what? You know? Yeah, it's creepy. That he's sleeping with younger actresses on set and that's the punchline to a joke. And you think, well, that's not, that's not acceptable now. And then Chandler can't get women and he's desperate to get women. And that desperation of, of not wanting to be called gay and having gay mannerisms. Yeah. But it's all about the quest, the quest to have women. But it's not about love. It's to have women to sleep with and to have a notch on your bedpost. Yeah, it's about trophies and collections yes. and tricking them into bed. It's very yes. male gaze. It's very yes. 90s. It's a very odd one to watch now because I think we've changed our way of looking at it. Yeah. It's not dated as well. As I mean, it's a great show. It's not dated as well as I would have expected. Whereas Frasier, oddly, doesn't feel like that. A side-by-side -side comparison would be that whole bit in Friends, which I really think is awful now, where Monica's fat. Yeah. And the, the butt of the joke is that Monica's fat. Yeah. Isn't it funny that Monica's fat? And the equivalent would be the fact that they poke fun at Maris. But we never see Maris, so it's not a visual... No it's not mean. Um, or, or the fact that Fr um, Niles is in love with Daphne, which is an ongoing joke, which is similar to, say... Chandler being perceived as being gay but there's an undercurrent of I think a mean streak in Friends or a nasty streak yeah, which is not as there's a teasing there's a there's a boys together teasingness yeah. you can't I don't know I'm not going to sit mm. and look at the, the gender balance of mm. the Friends writers room compared to the Fraser writers room mm. but I do know there was that very famous case uh, where one of the writers assistants who had to write things up said that the Friends writers room was toxic and abusive and at the time you thought what's he making a fuss about mm. it's just rude jokes in a room it's just banter mm. and you look back on that now and you go actually it's quite mean to make a woman write misogynist jokes down for a while yeah which tells you what that room was like a bit yeah and i think it was very teasy very frat boyish very very boysy very 90s lad maybe yeah in a way that was much more acceptable i don't get the feeling that's what the fraser writers no. like maybe older writers maybe more women there's certainly a lot of women on the, the, the writing fraser apologizes quite a lot and he gets his you know he gets 
slapped down quite a lot by Roz. I mean, she doesn't yeah. take anything from she's him. an amazing character to, yeah, to put that voice in. They slut shame her at the beginning, but, yeah. but she still gets to be mean back. If you're going to use words like milieu, you might as well show up here with a sore on your lip and a couple of kids. I, I, you know, when I watch Friends again, this kind of normalisation of watching porn and, and yeah. rating, they rate women, how good looking yeah. they are. And, 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 and the, the way that they want women, that a woman will walk into the cafe that's attractive and it's a kind of competition between the three of the male characters to see who can get her number. Yeah, like dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel, whereas Frasier is, and maybe it is his effectness or his psychiatristness, but he is, you get the sense he's looking for his soulmate. He's looking he's for someone. He's a romantic. He's looking for someone to love. It's not just about the physical yeah. attraction. And Frasier will apologise, and I may yes. be wrong, but I can't think of many episodes in Friends where any of the male characters really apologise to women for some of their bad behaviour. I mean, Joey, I think, sleeps with someone and then forgets her and then he meets her again and, he's, and she's really annoyed with him, but he's completely forgotten yeah. this woman. And you just think, that's pretty bad behaviour for a main character. Yeah. But it was acceptable then. And I don't know that it's acceptable now. Yeah, maybe that's what makes Frasier feel so... Again, we're talking about comfort. One of the things that's odd about Friends, which people do go to as a comfort, I'm not going to say Friends isn't a fantastically written, it's comfortable, funny, it's enjoyable, well-drawn, you know. the characters are great. But increasingly, even when I talk to younger people who are watching Friends, and my niece is really into it, they're watching it and occasionally watching it in the way that I used to watch carry-on films and go, yeah. oh, we've Ooh. moved on from there, but it's Ooh. still really enjoyable because yeah. the, the comedy's really good. They're watching it, maybe they're occasionally uncomfortable watching it because yeah. it's changed. Whereas Frasier, I think, is fairly safe at the moment, yeah. hasn't dated that badly, and because of the romance, because of the analysis of behaviour that's, that's inherent I mean, in the characters, it's a more comfortable watch because you know you're not in danger. Maybe Daphne's not the only one who's afraid she won't measure up. Maybe you're afraid to. After all, if it turns out that she's not perfect, then there's a chance things won't work out. Then not only will you lose Daphne, but you'll have wasted the last seven years of your life chasing an illusion. There's a whole episode about... Frasier inviting his boss over. He doesn't realise he's gay. So he invites him over because he wants to set him up with Daphne. But at no point in that episode is the fact that he's gay the punchline of the joke. Yeah. He's interested in pursuing a romantic relationship, yeah. but the object of his affections is not Daphne. Damn, that Roz! <sighs> no, no, no. It's you. And the punchline of the joke is that Frasier doesn't know and he's actually interested in Frasier. And there's a line which is brilliant. He said... What on earth could have made him think that I was interested in him? All I did was ask him if he was attached, and then we talked about the theatre and men's fashions. Oh, my God. And it's funny, but that's not the joke is not at the expense of no. someone's sexuality or, or it's not at the expense of women per se. It's, it's, it's gentler than that, and it's more sophisticated, I think, for that. Sophistication's reward. a good word, yeah. actually. I think it's a, it is a more sophisticated and nuanced where you can deploy those jokes. I mean, it may even be something as, as basic as they had more gay people in the cast. Perhaps. So basically there were people there with the clout to say not that joke or steer it away from that. Or even in that, that really lovely basic thing, all rooms, all working environments are better if they're slightly more diverse because you read the room when you're pitching mm. a joke and don't do the joke about gays yeah. Yeah. if there's someone in the room who's yeah. gay yeah. or someone at the read is going to have to read it. And... David Hyde Pierce only came out in 2007, long after after Frasier. But you knew there was no point doing a gay joke about David Hyde Pierce because you kind of thought he was. I think yeah. the guy who plays Bulldog is gay. There, there are gay people in the core cast and a sensibility that says, 
it's pointless bullying this yeah. because it's not a joke about outsiders yeah. because the cast includes that. Niles, do you realise what this means? Yes, you're dating your boss. There's no low jokes, there's no blows, there's no low jokes about women either. Even the jokes about mental health are actually really funny and they're not unkind. So Niles would say, I have to leave early because I'm leading my seminar on multiple personalities and it takes a long time to write out their labels. <laughs> and you think that's a really good joke, but yes. it's not mean. Yes, and I'd love to stay, but I, I have my therapy group meeting. And last time I was late, the uh, compulsive gamblers were betting the passive aggressives that they couldn't make the overeaters cry. <laughs> I think it was quite ahead of its time. Ross talks about gaslighting. They're kind of more aware, I think, even though it's running concurrently with friends. Joey, that bag is going to get you that part. And a date with a man. Maybe Frasier is lucky in that mm. it's about a subject that has now become very, very mainstream. Mm. Your kids are taught about this, mm. about mental health. Frasier's sign-off is good mental health. Well, I guess maybe you're right. I am depressed. What of it? Well, we're just trying to help you to get to, you know, the next stage. It's a thing that is now very, very current. So oddly, yeah. whereas Friends, which is about sort of 90s sexy dating, which yeah. is now looked at a bit strangely has probably dated not as well as something which has accidentally was about a niche subject back then. Yeah. And again, you're talking about watching this with your kids. Yeah. Your kids will not be alienated by some of the complex terms no. in this that may be in well, 1993 were complicated a... and are now very mainstream. Oh my God, you're crying too. <laughs> Why is everybody crying? There's a really nice episode where I think Fraser or Niles is sitting on the sofa a bit upset and his brother comes up to him and sits down and says, are you okay? Is there anything you want to talk about? You know, it's good to talk. And you think, wow, that's <laughs> way ahead of its time. Two men in a primetime yeah. show saying it's good to talk about what's upsetting you by yeah. your mental health because they're both psychiatrists. And it works within that world. But when you watch it again, you think, actually, this is quite good. I think you're dealing with the loss of your job, as many people do with a death. Only you've got yourself stalled in depression. And I think you're going to stay there until you let yourself grieve. So it's probably, I mean, you're watching, you've got boys, haven't you? I've got boys, yeah. So basically watching this with boys, it's going to, you're going to feel very safe watching it with them. Yeah. Because it's giving them a very good non-gendered, maybe, role models of how to behave. Certainly yeah. not blokey. No. Um, and, they, and, and open up new ideas about how men can talk to each other. Yes, yes. And how men can talk to women. And they totally relate to the sibling rivalry. Which of is course great, they do. You know. <laughs> this isn't necessary. Yeah, we, we, we can talk about this some other time. Zip it up, both of you. I just gave up the best meal of my life to come down here, so listen up. Niles, let your brother play. <laughs> Things you can watch with your family, sitcoms you can watch with your family that have a family in them mm. are always really good. Yeah. Because kids might not understand workplace sitcoms and things, but they understand dads and kids. Yeah. And they understand siblings fighting yeah. and they understand a lot of sort of stuff. It's nice to find something that is accessible. And sometimes the way in is via physical. Mm. We watched 40 Towers. My kid was oh. mad 40 Towers. And the way in was Manuel. Yeah. Who is basically the, the little kid yeah. in the thing, doing funny stuff physically. Yep. Thought Mamma was hilarious. And then went, oh, he's being bullied by his dad. And yep. really, the little family that is the, yeah. the, the hotel staff yeah. with his sister who looks after him and the mum and the dad, Weirdly is very easy to understand. And so even though they don't get the jokes, Weirdly watching 40 Towers, one of the things my kid asked, there's an episode with the psychiatrist. Look, how does he earn his money? He gets, he gets paid for sticking his nose. Oh, no, I'm going to have my say in the people's private... Um, details. Well, just speaking of myself, I don't want some total stranger nosing around in my private parts. Details. That's all I'm saying. And they, and they said, 
why is Battle frightened of that man? Yeah. And I went, oh, because it's 1976 or 1979. And, yeah. and a psychiatrist, they were frightened of talking about yeah. their feelings. And we talked about that as, oh, now we're not. And you think, yeah. actually, that's another reason why Frasier is very good, because it's yeah. for that generation of kids. Yeah. It's about talking about feelings, which they I like to do. Ahead of its time. Is yeah. it ahead of its time? Because it feels Have so we caught current. up with Frasier? Because when I watched it the first time, I don't think I got any of this. You know, I didn't read no. any of this stuff into it. I just sort of ha-ha funny comedy Friday night. And when you watch it again, you think it's quite multi-layered. It's quite complex. You know, it really hits now that I'm older and, you know, your parents get ill. And I think you really realise the value of your parents when you have your own children. Yeah. And you realise how hard it is to raise kids. And you think, oh, my God, you know, we just spent a lot of time blaming them or being annoyed with them. But they were doing a really hard job. And now I'm a parent. I can really understand what they went through. That makes Martin a really interesting character because mm. Martin has been a parent yeah. and has raised two boys to the extent that they have done really well. Mm. They've got out of the class he comes from. They've done what what I imagine the dream of their mother to go into a really good professional thing. They've been through college. They've done really, really well. They are the dream mm. of the blue-collar parent that the children would do better. Martin's raised two nice boys. Mm. And what's interesting is that Niles doesn't have kids, mm. so would have no idea what Martin's been through. Yeah. And Fraser's kid is miles away and you yeah. barely see them. Yeah. So what you're saying is that these two people who are very, very judgmental of Martin aren't as good as him at the job yeah. as he was. Yeah. Whatever you think about Martin, the crotchety old bugger, yeah. Yeah. he has done a brilliant job. Yeah. And that's a lovely thing to watch. You go, well, no matter how angry and annoyed they are with him, they know secretly he did a good job. And that's why it's a great multi-generational watch. Because I think the kids are going to identify with the kids. I, as a parent, identify with Martin. If you think, <laughs> oh, my God, these annoying siblings, you know. Ugh. And would your parents identify with Martin and think that you were Frasier because you're, you're all book learning and... I mean, yeah, I mean, probably. <laughs> yeah. Is, is everybody a different character to well, their to mom, each generation? <laughs> my mum will say, I mean, me and my brother, we will pull any question, we'll pull out. Our phone. Said, Every answer is not on Google. Yeah. <laughs> so they're the worst of your problems. You're lucky. I got a bullet in my hip, a girlfriend who's too good for me might realize it any day, a dog who's pushing 80 in human years, and I'm not far behind him, but you don't hear me making a fuss, do you? So it's a multi-generational sitcom. There's something for everyone to get in it. Everyone will sort of say, well, I, I'm, I'm more sympathetic with, with Martin's case or I'm more sympathetic with the, with the boy's case, and everyone will, will be a different person depending yeah. on how old, who you're watching it with, I suppose. Um, what's great is that they did... The jokes don't play to that. It's not done like a network sitcom where where someone has gone through and said we've got to make sure everyone gets all the jokes yeah i think that the writing team had a phrase called 10 percenters 10 percent of the jokes were allowed to go over the head of the audience as long as 90 percent were absolute belters yeah. everyone could get and i think people forget that you will watch anything where you get most of the jokes yes it's so much easier for us we're mentally incompetent <laughs> does she display below average intelligence she once ordered a bottle of white zinfandel jackpot <laughs> She's a threat to herself. It's amazing even let the woman drive. As long as there's lots of jokes yes. as well. As there in, are lots not of big jokes. Ga- as long as there's not gaps, the 10% you don't get won't ruin yeah. your enjoyment. And if you are someone that 10% hits, who knows about wine or opera, they were prepared to do this as long as 90% were belters about yeah. the dog staring at Frasier yeah. or Martin's chair smelling or whatever. Mm. And it means, I think, that a show that you would think would be highbrow yeah. isn't because... It's, a, it's not about the 10% of no. jokes. They're a flavour. Yeah. The highfalutin jokes, the adult jokes, the ones that go over the heads of the kids and of most of the audience aren't the, the majority of it. And yeah. that's why it won a billion Emmys yeah. and was a massive success. It ran for exactly the same number of seasons as Cheers, I think. It was 11 seasons for each. It was massively successful. 
and it shouldn't work on paper because it's trying to be snobby, but it yeah. isn't. But everyone gets parent-child relationship. Everyone gets sibling relationship. Yeah. yeah everyone will get that, that dynamic. Yeah, the and core of it all, is automatically universal. universal. And the other thing with that, that, that 10%er thing is that they had an assumption all the time that you shouldn't assume your audience is stupid. No. And people can tell when you're talking down to them. It, it, it aimed up and it said, let's assume the audience are clever. All the writing team said that, all the production team said, we will assume they're clever. And I think that's something kids are so used to being talked down to. Yeah. They're so used to things being sort of simplified for them that they absolutely love it when you don't. Mm. When they watch something that they kind of go, hey, yeah. this isn't for me. This is for someone 10% cleverer, <laughs> two years older than me. Yeah. How much a kid loves watching a film that's 2% too scary for oh, them. Yes. They love being told that. So if you sit down in front of your kids and say, we're going to watch Frasier, yeah. and none of it talks down to them, they go, it's a feeling of like, <laughs> oh, was I allowed to stay up late and or watch having, this? You know, when, you, when you explain the joke to them, I have to explain you know, a joke like four or five times and then they got it and then they just laughed and laughed and laughed and then they would say yeah. the joke over and over again to themselves over and over again and then they would tell their friends. Because ah. that's part of... Being a kid, watching comedy is you memorise jokes yeah. and you store them up in your head. Especially for, I don't know if it's a boy thing. It tends to be a boy thing in my household. They go back to school. And you're the king of the playground because yeah. you've got loads of jokes. You've been at, <laughs> it's yeah, you, currency. There's a strange thing with talking to kids. You should always give them more information mm. than they're capable of absorbing because otherwise, that, that's when you taught them to go to the toilet, you were giving them more information. Yeah. Than, kids are a, a receptacle for stuff they've never yeah. had before. Yeah. Their brains are very receptive to that. That's why... The thing that's in common with yeah, long dinosaur names, all the long spell names in Harry Potter they learn. They yeah. love learning bigger things that yeah. make them sound more grown up. Kids like wandering around in borrowed shoes. Their parents going clomp, 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 yep. clomp, clomp, yep. dressed up as grown ups. And comedy is part of that. Finding a comedy that isn't for you. It's not on CBBC. No. They really like it. Not another gift from your mystery yes. woman. Yes, indeed it is. Oh, my God. It's a Patek Philippe pocket watch. That is stunning. I almost bought one like that on my honeymoon, only Maris thought it was too impractical, so we got that glockenspiel instead. <laughs> so, with Frasier, what you're watching is something which, on the surface, is about a very niche, very, very small group of elite people. Yes. But what you've revealed is that it's accessible to way more people than that. It's exactly the kind of thing you wouldn't pitch to no. a studio network and say, I know what will be a very, what will win us loads of Emmys? Yes, and yet it does, and I, and I think what we're we're saying is that it does that because it's not about what it appears to be about. I think it's universal, and I think when you drill down and think about it, and you really understand it, it's about family, and it's about relationships, and it's about love. You know, love between a father and a son, love between two brothers, and the eternal quest, as the human quest to find love. And that's really profound. And that's all great literature, all great yeah. music, this desire to be loved and to love. And that's there right through the heart of it. Even though it is a very funny, very enjoyable comedy show, the heart of it is, is about those things. And I think that's what makes it special. You heard that? We're chopping in rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> we are, aren't we? Doom, da, doom, da, doom, da, doom. Hard and so I fell in love with you Hard and so The way a fool would do Madly Because you held me tight And stole a kiss in the night 
what you're questing for there. And it's, it's summed up by that Fraser quote that you came up with, with him saying you want someone to do this journey with. Yeah. Is what you want is safety. Yeah. Um, you're feeling vulnerable. Yeah. You're feeling exposed. You're feeling like you're in danger. Yeah. And at the core of that is when you feel you're in danger, then to know someone loves you. Yeah. To know that person's there. That's why it's so heartbreaking to lose a love. Yeah. Or to lose a partner, to, to, to be widowed or whatever. It's so heartbreaking because the one place you can go for safety has gone. Yeah. And what these people are is they're kind of adrift. Yeah. And they're looking for someone to keep them safe. And in a way, what you're watching is these people who've surrounded themselves with the trappings of safety. Yeah. Money, success. Because Fraser is a vain, pompous person yeah. who thinks that by constantly quoting, I have a radio show, he'll get yeah. a seat at a restaurant, <laughs> that he'll be accepted because of the stuff he's got. Oh. This has been carefully chosen. This is an eccentric, yeah. curated room. That's not enough. You're on your own. The thing you're that lonely. jumps out to me 20 years on from when I first watched it, and this is very Asian, is the fact that he does look after his dad. <laughs> you know what? That's so incredible. And as, an, as a person now who's, whose parents are older and we're, you know, we're thinking about what are going to be in the next five or ten years, how are we going to navigate yeah. parents getting older, what's going to happen? That's a massive, huge thing yeah. to have a parent live with you because parents are difficult. I took the liberty of checking out a few convalescent homes for him. Niles, a home? He's still a young man. Well... You certainly can't take care of him. You're just getting your new life together. Absolutely. Well, besides, we were never simpatico. Of course, I can't take care of him. Oh, yes, yes, of course, of course. Why? <laughs> because Dad doesn't get along with Maris. Who does? Yeah. And, and that's a profound and beautiful act of love for his father, despite the fact they don't get on, despite the fact they rub up against each other. Yeah. And he pays for his personal care assistant. He's the really good, dutiful Asian son. <laughs> he is. Well, then we're agreed about what to do with Dad. Golden Acres. We care so you don't have to. <laughs> it says that. Well, it might as well. Because he's not secure. That because resonates actually, with everybody. He's not secure where he is. There's a there's an odd thing with the fact that Niles says there's no way I'm looking after mm. him because Niles is securely in mm. the aristocracy. Yeah. He's settled with yeah. Maris. Maris would not let it happen. No. Maris, it's it's non-negotiable. Yeah. Uh, and it's played beautifully with the way the brothers yeah. talk to each other. When yeah. the, the opening setup of the, the show yeah. is, this is what the, the show's about, is who gets dad. One of them says, there's no way I'm having dad. The other one goes... Well, I suppose I have to have dad. And, and you can see it as you get old, this is the thing like, I keep on going on, I'm going, but I feel old at the moment. The thing is, you, you didn't see it when you were in your 20s watching it. You no. didn't see the profundity of that action and how big a deal it is. Yeah. And anybody who has looked after a parent who's older and been there for them, even not have them in their house, but gone to check up on them once a week and, you know, phone them up every day. And, and, and you, the roles reverse where the parent looks after you and then you look after the parent. Yeah. And there's a really, really nice line as well where he just acknowledges what his dad's he said you know dad was out every day earning money putting food on the table and he was a good dad and it's kind yeah. of those are the kind of the really sweet moments in Frasier alongside all the laughs and all the comedy you think this is this has got heart and this is something that everybody will get because everybody's going to go through this you're going to be a kid yeah. you're going to have a parent your parent's going to get old and you're going to have to deal with whatever happens to that parent and that next stage of life and and we're perhaps at that stage now, but in our 20s, we just saw it as a ha-ha funny. Yeah. I never even really reflected on the fact that his parent 
lives yeah. in his house. And you think, could I do that? When you're a kid, you look at that. Or when you're a kid, when you're younger, you look at it and you go, we trap some people together who don't get on. It's yeah. step to and son. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the wrong setup. Oh, ha, ha, ha. The worst people, the basics that come set up. The worst people in the world are stuck together in a submarine. It's yeah. just that or, or a prison or whatever. Great theory that sitcoms <clears throat> are about people who are trapped. He's trapped by his duty and his love for his dad. The one thing his flat does not need is his dad no. and that chair and that dog. When you get to the heart of what Frasier is about, it's not about a psychiatrist and his brother. It's about someone looking after a parent. Yeah. That's the story. That's what happens every week. Every week, something gets in the way. What gets in the way? The dad's living with the son. That tells you something about how sitcoms are written, how really good sitcoms mm. are written. Uh, and it's misunderstood, I think, by people who pitch sitcoms, especially younger writers. Mm. They look for the sit. Mm. And the sit here is radio psychiatrist. Mm. Now, you could do radio psychiatrist. I think the Bob Newhart show was about a radio psychiatrist. There are other radio psychiatrist mm. sitcoms you can make about, about psychiatry. Yeah. Well, there's millions of those. The actual story isn't about the sit. The actual story is about the characters. Yeah. And whenever you write something and you go, it's about a bar. No, it's not about a bar. It's, it's about bar. an alcoholic baseball player who falls in love with his waitress. You've got to look at the character yeah. setups and the character setups will tell you what the story is. Mm. And Frasier's story is about class and family, loyalty, brothers, sons, fathers. If they'd taken this to the network and the network had said, we've got another psychiatrist sitcom, they could have changed the subject overnight and made the same sitcom about a sports reporter. Yeah. And it would still have worked. Yeah. Okay, uh, sports enthusiasts, this is Dr. Fraser Crane filling in for Bob Bulldog Briscoe. <laughs> You're on the air. This is Mike. So what's your take on the damn Yankees this season? Are you speaking of the, the frothy musical adaptation of the Faustian myth or, or the, the baseball team, of which I know nothing? I think ultimately, if my kids turned up, like Frasier, I, I wouldn't be too, you know, despite all his faults, he's, he's a, a good, good son. He's a good, he's a good son, isn't he? They're good brothers and they're good kids. Actually, they look after their dad and they try and make him happy and they try and buy him the right sofa and they, you know, but they're there for, and isn't that what family's about then, being there for each other in your time of need? And they're nice to each other. Yeah. Well, I want to tell my kids that when I'm old, you have to look after me, okay? <laughs> That's really important. This look at now, this guy, Frasier. He's looking after his dad. This is now just propaganda. You're just getting something out of this now. You're not this showing them for any reason the apart from The ultimate Asian now. sitcom, I'm you know. I'm going to bring my chair and you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah. Okay. That's the reason I had you, okay, kids? For my old age life insurance. This is now just an investment. It's not just a comfort. It's a major investment. Please brilliant. watch this and be brainwashed. <laughs> Thank you very much for being Frasier. That's brilliant. Comfort Blanket was presented and produced by Joel Morris for the Cheese and Pickle family of podcasts. Find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs>